Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Pastor Bob conducts personal interviews with Christian influencers from around the globe, helping Christian authors, recording artists, CEOs, entrepreneurs, nonprofit leaders, and yes, pastors and ministry leaders to get the word out about what they are doing to impact the world with the gospel. Our podcast has been rated in the top one half percent of all podcasts in the world by listennotes.com, so you know your message will be heard. Now, here is your host with today's interview, Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads podcast today. We're so blessed that you're joining us. You know, we all love a good story, and one of the great all-time storytellers was Jesus himself. Amen. I mean, he almost always told his stories called parables in order to leave a memorable thought with his listeners. Well, our guest today is the same way. He loves to tell stories in order to make his point. Mike O'Dodd spent 24 years as a pilot in the U.S. Air Force. Praise God, flying combat missions across seven deployments from 1985 to 2010. He was awarded the Distinguished Flying Cross for Valor in Combat. Praise God. Today, he serves as a pastor of Leptondale Bible Church. And in addition, he's a published author with his debut novel, The Gospel, A Redemption and a Restoration Story. Pastor Michael uses the power of storytelling to lead his readers through the epic message of good news, beginning in Genesis, where it all started, and he continues all the way through to Revelation, where this amazing story ends. And as the Bible says, all things become new. Amen. This book, The Gospel and Redemption and Restoration Story, describes doctrinal truth in story form where God's the hero and we are being saved. This book will help pastors and congregants alike to understand the biblical details that saves us and keeps us safe forevermore. Amen. Praise God. Help me welcome to the program, Pastor Michael O'Dodd. Pastor, it is such a blessing to have you on the program today. I do appreciate your time. Thank you, Pastor Bob, and thank you for having me, and thank you for that wonderful introduction, brother. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Well, let me start here. I know you were an A-10 pilot in Louisiana. Let me guess, Barksdale Air Force Base in Alexandria, all right? I actually was England Air Force Base, England. Pastor oh, Bob. Right. Bar- Barksdale's right. up in Shreveport. Yeah, that's but, right. Uh, that's right. Yeah, but love love my time in Louisiana, uh, oh, just yeah. so much so. Yeah, I, I had uh, uh, several uh, where we do combined live fire exercises with A-10s coming in. I was a cavalry officer there up until 1989 when I left service, but... I love the warthogs. You know, we like I said, yeah. we did calfexes all the time with the A-10s up yeah. in Pisan Ridge. Yeah, that was and that was uh, honestly so much fun. But uh, more importantly, it was great training for us. It was one of the best ranges that we had in our immediate area uh, yeah. to be able to go and get ready for our combat mission, which, as you know, uh, very soon after you got out in 89, uh, was one we actually had to do uh, in, in a very important uh, way, uh, halfway around the world. And yeah. so very thankful for all of that opportunity uh, for us to get ready to do our mission and the part that you played in that. Amen. You know, I remember one time I was leading a patrol and in the cavalry, we never get lost. We're just uh, <laughs> reconning all of the adjacent areas, right? And uh, we drifted a little bit too far to the impact range. And 
some a this is oh probably gosh i want to say 10 o'clock at night now and we hear the a10s come in and we hear the firing going on and we actually hear the rounds impacting the ground that's too close close. well guys i think (laughs) we need to turn around and go back that way (laughs) (laughs) because we could hear the and then we hear a on the ground yeah we don't want to go no more that way <laughs> brother 70 70 rounds a second coke bottle size rounds and yeah. they're coming out of the barrel at two thousand meters a second yeah. uh, you definitely don't want to be anywhere near them yeah we we were definitely in the red area that's for sure yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> i'll never forget that oh. night though because our guy's like yeah we're in agreement lieutenant let's go <laughs> you know? well um, i'm glad you guys stopped and turned around otherwise we wouldn't be here right now yeah exactly <laughs> we'd have had a different story yeah. to tell yeah we would have <laughs> well now oh. your motivation to seek god started or coalesced at least on your trip from the States to Saudi Arabia, flying yeah. your A-10 through a thunderstorm. Can you briefly share that experience with us and what happened when you arrived? Yeah, I have a I have a very long testimony, Bob, and, and we're going to get the short version of it. Uh, I did not know Christ was not raised in a Christian family. Uh, was married in April of 1990, shortly before the deployment to Saudi Arabia. My wife uh, was a believer um, and, and married me anyway. Uh, which, uh, you know, God's grace over, overcomes many of our mistakes. And and uh, she put a Bible in my deployment bag when I went and I looked at it and I said, yeah, right. I'm, I'm sure maybe I'll get around to that someday. Well, we, uh, you know, we launched 24 airplanes um, from uh, England Air Force Base, Louisiana. The first leg was to Myrtle Beach Air Force Base in South Carolina. And the next leg was from Myrtle Beach to Marone Air Base in Spain, which was supposed to be about a 12-hour mission across the Atlantic. And it took almost 14 hours. And the reason is because uh, we launched into what was just an unprecedented array of thunderstorms over the Atlantic, north to south, uh, and, and about 300 to 500 miles wide, depending upon where you went. Never seen anything like it before or since. Uh, and and we were confident we were going to get delayed, and we were told, no, this is a national emergency, because at the time, we were the only capability that could get there quickly uh, and stop the Iraqis in the event they pushed the attack into Saudi Arabia. And the bottom line is we got into the heart of those storms, and the Air Force says don't fly through thunderstorms for a good reason, because they're deadly, they're destructive, and they're terrifying. And I got into a position where, you know, the weather was so bad, and we're flying next to our tanker, which is a big airline-sized aircraft that gives us the fuel we need to get across the Atlantic. And I'm on the right wing of that tanker with two guys uh, on my right wing, so we're all flying within about three feet of each other in a thunderstorm. And all I can see on the tanker is the little wingtip light at the end of that very wing of that very big airplane. Uh, The turbulence was horrible. The airplanes are all bouncing up and down. The lightning was flashing and it was disorienting. The thunder was so loud. It was the only time in my life I ever heard thunder through the canopy, through my helmet and and into, you know, into my ears. Um, The icing was building up in very thick layers. Uh, St. Elmo's fire, which is a, a an electrostatic phenomenon that's usually colored. My on, on my airplane, it was blue. It was dancing along the wings and right through the cockpit, right in front of my very eyes. And this was prolonged. We were in it, and we were in it for a long time, and it was just terrifying. And if you've never experienced disabling terror, uh, that's where I was at. And uh, got to the point where I was convinced uh, 
that that wingtip was going to come through my canopy at some point. Because sometimes I, I looked up and it was up above. Sometimes it was below. Sometimes it was gone, Pastor Bob. And then wow. and I, my, my, my fear was that it was just going to come. The next time I was going to see it was coming through the canopy. And I was convinced we were all going to die. Uh, and I became essentially suicidal. And I was a second away from letting go of the controls and just letting it all happen. And before I did that, uh, I, I cried out. I said, God, I don't know if you're there. I don't even know if you exist. But if you are, I need help. And, and Pastor Bob, it was it was as I was uttering the words, I went from ready to just let everything happen and, and let my life be given for that. And by the way, a second away from hell. Uh, and, and I went from being just rock steady, no fear, perfectly calm. The conditions didn't change in iota. The storms were still horrible. Uh, and I flew on the wing of that tanker and, and led my, the two guys on my wing all the way through it. Um, landed in Spain. Uh, got on the ground, kissed the ground, which pilots do when when they think they're supposed to die, and they didn't. And then we end up flying into Saudi Arabia, and end, I end up rooming at the base we were at there in Saudi Arabia with a guy who's a friend of mine uh, who was a Christian. And I always knew Stan was different, but I didn't know why. And and Stan looked at me, and, uh, and my nickname when I was a flyer was Spanky because I resembled a little rascal's character. <laughs> and he looks at me, and he goes, Spanky, I think something happened to you over the Atlantic. And I looked at him, and I said, Stan, I think you're right. And he says, would you like to go to the chapel service? And so I went to the Air Force chapel service there on base in a country where it's illegal to be a Christian. And uh, the pastor that was a chaplain uh, out of a unit in Florida named Wayne Simmons. And Wayne preached the gospel every Wednesday night and every Sunday morning. And every Wednesday night and every Sunday morning, I wasn't flying. I was in the chapel service Amen. and I heard the gospel. And that Bible that Lucia, my wife, gave me that I said I would never read, I read through twice in, in a month. I couldn't Amen. put it down. And and one night, you know, I'm not I have no church background, Pastor Bob. I don't know anything about church. I don't know anything about worship services. You know, all I know is what I'm hearing and what I'm reading. And one night after about a month, Pastor Chaplain Wayne gives an invitation to accept Christ. And in that moment, Pastor Bob, my my entire will, body, heart, mind and soul was overtaken. I could not do anything but say yes. Amen. Uh, and, and in an instant, you know, this hard living, hard charging, honestly, really wayward fighter pilot, uh, uh was changed. Uh, the worst part of me probably was my language. My language was awful. And the very next day I couldn't use it anymore. Almost to the point yeah. where I couldn't speak. It was such a, it was such a, a an all-inclusive aspect of how I communicated. Yeah. And everybody yeah. wondered what had happened. And and that was it. And for the rest of my life, Pastor Bob, uh, the Lord has has brought me along an unbroken chain where he has raised me as a son to be faithful in his household by his grace yeah. and the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm yeah. so thankful for that, brother, because you would not be talking to me today. Uh, you would probably perhaps be reading about a man who made a train wreck out of his life. Uh, and instead, God has used me for his purposes, all to his glory and all by his grace. That's yeah, as short yeah. as I can make it, brother. The yeah, full yeah, one is yeah. really long. Yeah, not a problem because you know, like the same about the same experience. You know, I I was raised in a Christian home, but I wasn't a Christian, and I was living the soldier lifestyle. We'll just let it go. Yep, with that, I, I know right? that. Yeah, I'll just let it go with that. And uh, you know, we you know 
married and my wife was born again four years before I was. And, uh, you know, she kept dragging me to church when I actually go, you know, like once a month or something like that, just to appease mm -hmm. her and keep her off my back, you know, type thing. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I had my grandfather's Bible that I take with me to church and, uh, you know, I was in business and I was going to look from Louisiana to Georgia and, you know, things were rough and I'm not going to go into the whole testimony. My listeners have heard it before, but, uh, long story short, I was going to kill myself mm. one night in this little empty apartment, in Columbus, Georgia. And, uh, I just crying and, and figured that, you know, that'd be the best thing to do. And how they say that peace comes over you, it does. Okay, the decision had been made. I was going to do it, but I didn't want to do it that night because I wanted to tell my kids I loved them one more time. So I was going to mm. call them before they went to school in the morning, then that was going to be it. And I didn't have anything to do, so I was reading the Bible that my wife forced me to take, like your wife forced you to take. <laughs> wow. And uh, there were three columns where I could read the Bible through in one year. You know, any pick any one of those columns. So nothing to do. I was reading all three columns each day. And first two would be in the morning, then the last one would be at night. So I made the decision, laid down, and the street light was shining through a Venetian blind, landed right on the Bible. I said, Oh, I forgot to read my scripture tonight. And if I'm mm -hmm. gonna meet God tomorrow, I guess it'd be a good idea to tell him at least I was reading the Bible. So I opened it up and I was supposed to read Psalms 34. It's January 25th, 1992. Hmm. Little empty apartment in Columbus, Georgia, 11:35 p.m. Eastern time. I know mm -hmm. the, exactly the moment, you know. And I opened it up. It says Psalms 34. So I started reading, got down to verse seven, and said, "The Lord has heard this poor man cry, and shall deliver him from hmm. all his trouble." And immediately I could feel like the hot oil of the Holy Spirit just pouring over me, and I started <laughs> laughing and singing, and, and I. Amen. Boom. That was the day. I know exactly. Like I say, you just heard me January 25th, 1992 at 11.35 p.m. Eastern time. I know what happened at that moment in time. Mm. And and the Lord, you know, because I cried out, Lord, I'm done. If, if, <laughs> if you can't fix this, then I'm done. But I turn it all over to you. And, and that moment he came into my life, it hasn't been, you know, all sunshine and roses, but yeah. the language, the drinking, all that Basically, within six yeah. months, it had completely dissipated. I didn't even know I'd yeah. quit drinking for six months. I yeah. didn't even realize. <laughs> you know? so. Yeah, no, he does what he does. And the gospel yeah. does what Amen. it promises to do in the life of a believer. No doubt. That's right. yeah. Amazing so, parallels there between you and I, brother. Exactly. Exactly. Well, because yeah. of the military background, you know, I mean, we all, yeah. you know, mm, yeah. I, that's why I love talking to veterans on these <laughs> and, and we could get off on that all the, you know, oh boy, you know I could probably oh both easily well, get as, on track. As we discuss your book, <laughs> the gospel and the redemption story, restoration story. I want to ask you, first of all, why did you write this book? Yeah. Um, I kind of get at it in the introduction of the book, Pastor Bob. I uh, was teaching uh, an, a young adult Sunday school class back in uh, 2009 um, uh, at our church in South Georgia, a great church, a faithful church, and a wonderful church. And uh, but I'm teaching the class, and I'm and I'm kind of beginning a study on First Peter, and I'm going through First Peter, and in the beginning of the book, Peter talks about our salvation. He talks about it being kept in the power of power by the power of God in heaven for us, uh, awaiting that day to be revealed. Mm 
you know, and he mentions that although, you know, you uh, you endure trials in this life, we rejoice over the fact that God is ultimately going to re- reveal the fullness of our salvation. And what Peter's talking about is the promise of our resurrection. You know, we, we struggle and we deal with trials and tribulations in this life for being faithful. But in the end, we know how the story ends. God raises the first John 3, 2. We don't know yet what we're going to be like, but on that day, we know this, we're going to be like him. Amen. And and Amen. and that's how the story ends. And and I'm and I'm introducing the book and really overviewing the passage that way. And, and you know, Pastor Bob, when when you're preaching or teaching, and, and more often in a teaching setting, when you realize the folks you're teaching are just not picking up what you're teaching <laughs> at all. And I had 25 young folks in that classroom giving me the deer in the headlights look. And I stopped and I said, okay, guys, wait a second. Where did I lose you? Uh, And where they lost me, where I lost them, was on the resurrection. They had no idea that that was even... That, that was part of, of their life story as it's all ending, that that's ultimately what God is going to do in us, is raise us back up into the Amen. likeness of his son, yeah. his finished works, forever deliverance from sin's power Amen. and presence and penalty. And by the way, he's going to deliver all of creation from that as well for us to enjoy once again, by the way, just as the story began in a creation that was very good uh, with 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 his people in it in the end, but even to an order of magnitude greater. His people are going to dwell with him in his presence forever, free from sin in every sense, both in themselves and in all of creation. And and, and Pastor Bob, they, they had no idea about the resurrection. And I I had one of those moments where I just looked, I, I did it in the classroom. I looked up and I said, oh, Lord, what have we done? And, and that was coupled with just a sense, you know, as I've, as I've, because being in the military, and you know this, uh, you get in different settings, you're in different places. And for me as a believer, uh, in the military, a lot of different churches. And one of the common themes is that when pastors presented the gospel, they they didn't mention the resurrection. Yeah. Or if they did, they just sort of mentioned it as a footnote. You know, Paul mentions it in 1 Corinthians 15. And so therefore, it must be part of the message that I'm going to mention. And oh, by the way, he was raised from the dead. And, and, and really just uh, devoid of that content. And then, so I began to think about that and I began to think about the gospel and and where did we go wrong? And two things in particular came to my mind. Uh, One was, you know, that, that wonderful passage when Jesus is walking with Cleopas and his friend on the day he was raised back to life uh, and they're walking to Emmaus and, and, you know, Cleopas and his buddy, they're upset. They, they, they thought this was the Messiah. They thought this was the promised one. And now he's dead. And what do we do? And Jesus says to him, well, foolish ones, so slow in heart to believe all that the scriptures has taught. Uh, and so Jesus said to them in beginning, or Matt, I'm sorry, Luke writes, in beginning with Matthew and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures, all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. And I began to wonder what would have been like to walk with the Lord on that road and beginning with Genesis and all the way through to the end of the Old Testament to Malachi. And I know the Jews had it ordered it differently, but essentially all the scriptures, Jesus talked about how the Old Testament scriptures talked about him. And and Paul repeatedly in, in the book of Acts in particular, shared the gospel from the Old Testament, you know? And so I thought about that and I thought, wow, there's a, there's a grand story here and the gospel is the core of it. And how might I perhaps by God's grace, maybe reproduce Jesus's conversation. And the other thing that struck me is that Paul, 
uh, presents the gospel concisely in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 5. But he spends nearly 11 chapters in Romans mm-hmm. elaborating, expositing the gospel, mm-hmm. uh, and predominantly from the Old Testament. So what I tried to do was, was to really look at that and see, you know, is there a story here? And if you look at the Bible, it follows the pattern of classic stories. You have the hero in the initial condition and the setting that the hero wants. All of a sudden, the villain is introduced, uh, and you have the conflict now, and the villain disrupts the hero's plans. The rising action of the story is how, how the hero then does everything necessary to restore things back to his intent. And the climax really is the, is the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the climax of the story. The falling action is how the hero then plays, allows everything to play out until he restores everything back to his conditions, but usually in a far grander way than the conditions were done initially. And if you look at the Bible, Pastor Bob, it does that. It follows that pattern of great stories. And really, the reason we have great stories is not because the stories are great. It's because they follow the pattern of the great story. God gave us the great story. There's a reason why when we see it in movies or books and we go, wow, that really resonates with me. There's a reason for that because it resonates with the greatest story ever told. Amen. Amen. So that's kind of the inspiration behind yeah. that. And that's what I tried to capture in the book. Amen. The gospel want, in all of its fullness. To, I also want to add that the hero usually rescues the damsel in distress as well. You bet. <laughs> not a hero otherwise. There's got, there's right. got to be a rescue. Right. Uh, Paul begins his Paul begins his letter to the Galatians by praising the Lord uh, for rescuing us from this Amen. present evil age. Amen. Uh, got to be a rescue. Praise God. I love the word rescue. Yeah. Amen. That's awesome. That is awesome. But why did you want to publish this book right now? Um, because I really believe, you know, I, I, I've already alluded to it. I think, I think the gospel uh, has the, the fullness of the gospel is is not a focus of the church right now. I just don't think it is, in, at least in far too many places. Um, even even in churches that I think really are honest to goodlessly, uh, faithfully professing, faithfully following Christ, there there's a hole in their gospel. Uh, and I think for a lot of the church, the, the gospel really has ceased to be. Uh, the center and the whole of who we are and what we do. Uh, Jesus Christ, who he is, the message of all that he has done to save us, and the promise uh, of all that the gospel will do in our lives. In the past, uh, when we come to Christ, we know we're delivered from the judgment and the wrath that we deserve because of our sins, and eternal judgment and wrath. Presently, we know uh, that we are being delivered from from a sinful nature. Uh, You know, Paul Paul describes the gospel in 1 Corinthians 15 as the gospel by which we are being saved in the Greek perfect tense, which means it is something rooted in the past that continues into the present. God is about the process of renewing us day by day in our inner persons. Not perfectly. We're never going to be delivered from sin fully in this life. We're still going to have to deal with the sin nature. Confession and repentance is always going to be necessary, but he is bringing to life in us the likeness of his son. In future tense, ultimately, we will experience that full deliverance through resurrection like we've already talked about. And I think the church has, has allowed 
way too many things to become the center of its focus, the center of its passions, and the center of its attention. And so it's with a great sense of urgency that I wrote the book, and, and praise God, Deep River Books picked it up and, and published it, so I'm thankful for that. But ultimately, Pastor Bob, what I want is for the message to get out. Uh, the Lord, you know, very quickly, I had no desire to be a writer. Uh, I was more than content to be a happy pastor, uh, and and he pressed upon me to write this. Uh, and, and I said, I was like Moses, Lord, don't you want someone else to do this? I wanted nothing to do with it. So I, I sat down and I said about the work of writing it, and I drafted it out. And I said, I looked up when I was done with the draft, and I said, okay, Lord, are, are, you, are you satisfied? I've done this. And he goes, try to get it published. So I, I hung it on a page. Uh, where there was about 50 Christian publishers. And I, I wrote a, a proposal for the book and put it out there. And in the space of a week, I got a response. Wow. Wow. And I kind of looked up, I kind of looked up and I looked at him and I said, really? You know, and and I kind of, I was one of those moments where I was laughing, kind of like Sarah, really, you're going to do this? You know, I'm in my late fifties and now you're, you're going to bring this new thing into my life. And so uh, the really the best answer, why did I write it now? Is because he wouldn't let me do otherwise. I could Amen. not, not do it. Yeah. So. Amen. Amen. That's kind of how I got started in the radio ministry. You know, I was, as I, without going on the whole story, I was at a minister's conference on crutches because I was just had knee surgery. And, uh, you know, the police department I was working with because of the, it was a work related, it was an injury that happened on the job. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I said, you know, I was going in procedure, take two, three weeks off where I come back on light duty and then get back to full duty. And then three, four months later, I have to repeat it all over again. And they say, you know, if, uh, you don't recover fully from this, I have to retire you. Well, you know, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm at the time I was like 50 years old. Right. Yeah. And I was like, Lord, you know, should I keep fighting it? Do you have something for me? What is it you want me to do? You know. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was at this minister's conference, and they were wrapping up the morning session. It was about eleven thirty in the morning, and this person leans forward from the row behind me and says, "You need to begin your own weekly thirty-minute online radio program." Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I turned around to see who it was because I'm like three rows back from the front, you know. And I'm like, you know, that you know, you're being rude here, type thing, right? There's nobody there. I was like, oh, that's weird <laughs> type thing, right? <laughs> and I was like, uh, now, you had to understand, at work, I had to have help checking email, okay? I am hmm. not technically inclined at all. And yeah. I was like, Lord, uh, I don't even know what that means. But if I, I, I need a confirmation before I go down that road. If this is really you, hmm. I need a confirmation. Well, the speaker's wrapping up. He says, so in other words, if God tells you to do something, you got to do it. He could tell you to start your own radio program. You got to do it. I was like, oh, no way. <laughs> you know, that, and, uh, that's how I got into radio. Yep. <laughs> that's kind of what he does. Sometimes oh, you know man. the hand of the spirit. Sometimes yeah. he sets it upon you and it's so uh, heavy. You feel like if you do anything else, he's just going to crush you. Exactly. You know? Well, I went back yeah. to work when I got back from the ministry. I went back to work and two weeks later, I was promoted, transferred to different detachment and stuff. Yeah. Forgot all about it until the next procedure yeah. about six months later. And now they're talking, well, when you come back this time, we're going to send you for a workup. I'm like, Lord, what do you want me to do? I said, what did I tell you to do? Mm. You know, I, was like, <laughs> I forgot. So I had to go to my prayr journal and flip the pages back. Oh, there it is. Oh, November man. 8, 2008 with stars all over it. So I wouldn't forget it. And long story short, 
here we are, you know, 13 Amen. years later. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's doing well, I'm great thankful things. for it. So yeah, yeah that's yeah. awesome, brother. Uh, you're focused on having churches embrace the Great Commission. And yes, it, it does involve getting people born again. But the command portion of the Great Commission is to go make disciples, which yeah. is the next step after getting them saved. How have you embraced yeah. this commission with your church? Uh, I have really, uh, you know, I am I'm kind of annoying in this way with them, Pastor Bob. Uh, when I got um uh, when I got into the church, I, one of the first things I did, we have, you know, we have some wonderful ladies in the church and they're incredibly creative. Uh, and so I had them, we have two sections of wall uh, on either side of the altar and uh, uh, they're large sections of wall and they're open for everybody to see during the service. And I had Matthew 28, uh, 18 uh, through 20. Uh, painted in large letters in a creative way, you know, with different fonts and things uh, to the, the congregation's right. And I had the greatest commandment from Deuteronomy 6, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. Uh, and I had both of those things up there on either side. And about every other Sunday, I'll point to one or the other and I'll remind them, this is who we are. This is what we do. Uh, and it is that, and, and it is the, the full orbed aspect of it. We have to go, we have to go, you know, as a church, uh, we, we, we engage in, we, we seek to be obedient to the Lord's command to go, uh, by supporting missionaries around the world. Uh, so we do that. We seek to extend the work of the church in ways where it's beyond our reach to support that work of reaching the lost and building up the saved and caring for the least of these around the world. And then within our community where we are responsible. You know, I, I love Acts 17, where Paul tells the, you know, the philosophers and the thinkers in Athens, he says, you know what, he really put everybody exactly where they're at for the specific purpose so that he might be found. And I, you know, and I take that seriously. And so we are on the corner of Chapel Road and 300 in Newburgh, New York, and, and the community around us, you know, is what we are charged to reach. And so we do. Uh, and we have uh, really... Uh, a very aggressively pursued uh, outreach for the sake of doing that. Uh, and then within the church, the oftentimes neglected aspect of the Great Commission then is building up the, these born-again children, these people who need to grow in Christ. And the great burden and work of the church is to do that because Jesus says, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Uh, and, and that's a, and that's, that's really, that's an odd, that's a never-ending work. Uh, and you're always receiving folks that are at the beginning of that walk, and they need to grow from, you know, that that spiritual childhood. And there are folks that are in the middle, and then there are folks that have, have by God's grace, have grown to spiritual maturity, you know, and they lead and they teach and they do that. And it's the never-ending cycle. And so really, that's that's our focus. That's our thing. And And every time, you know, I hear something... Or someone says, you know, we got to be, you got to do, or why aren't we doing? I look at them, and, and if I'm in the sanctuary, I point at the wall, and I go, does it entail doing that? Amen. And if Amen. it doesn't, I just go, I go, that's not that's not why he died and rose again to make possible for us to do. He gave us this life that he gave everything to make possible for the sake of, of heeding his command, building up his kingdom in this world so that he may receive it when he comes. Amen. That's what Amen. we do. And and I Praise am just God. a curmudgeon about that, Pastor Bob. I will yeah. never let us stray. I just don't. Yep. So yep. anyway, I'm if the, I do I'm the same uh, way. Amen. Yeah. Praise God. Because that's that, you know, yeah. but it's when we 
got into this ministry, you know, you have to come up with your mission statement, all that stuff, right? And I was praying about that. And the Lord gave me a very simple mission statement. He says, here mm -hmm. is your job. Get the word out. Amen. Period. End of story. Period. And, yeah. you know, and I said, okay, so we got the mission. Now, how do we do the mission? And he said, by assisting other believers to get the word out about word what out. they are doing. And yeah. like interviewing you, you know, and that's what we do. So I'm the same way. If, if they come in, well, I think we should do something like this. I said, how does that go with our mission statement? Every yeah. decision has to be based off the mission. You know, what, you know what, and you know where I think you and the you, mission. You know where I think you and I sort of get that mindset that is back to the military. Exactly. What's the mission? Exactly. You know, there's there's a thousand things you can do with with your CAV unit, yep. but what's yep. the mission? That's I don't need mission. to do a thousand things. I need to do what the chain of command has directed me to exactly. do, with with exactly. usually, hopefully, what is a very clear and concise mission. Yep. And and the Savior gave us a clear and concise mission. Sure it's not hard to understand, honestly. Uh, we 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 mess it up because because we want to just drift from it and it. do other things <laughs> and add stuff to it or worse sometimes take things away from yeah. it yeah well why you know if if he's sovereign and if he's gracious why do we need to go mm -hmm. yeah, well you need exactly. to go because in his plan and according to his will he has entrusted you as ambassadors for christ pleading on christ's behalf to be reconciled to god second corinthians five twenty. Yeah. you know He's he has invested us with that mission. For me, it's simple. Uh, again, kind of going back to the military mindset. I don't struggle at all with the command. If if right. the Lord, if the King of the Universe and the Creator of heaven and earth has said this is your mission, I don't wrestle with that, brother. I just That's do right. it. That's right. You know. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yes, sir. Charge on. Yes, sir. Yeah. Right. I'm on. <laughs> Hey folks, Pastor Bob here. We are all out of time for today's portion of this great interview with former Distinguished Air Force Combat Pilot Mike O'Dowd, who's now distinguishing himself in combat with the devil as a pastor and an author. Amen? I hope you're getting a lot out of this interview. I know I am. I mean, you can tell that I am truly enjoying our conversation, as I usually do with military veterans. I mean, we have a bond that's just indescribable. Amen? But that aside, I believe you are being blessed when you read Mike's great book, The Gospel, A Redemption and a Restoration Story. Just drop down into the show notes right now, reach out to Mike, and be sure to order a copy of his book right now while you're thinking about it. Also, be sure to come back in the very next episode as we'll be continuing our discussion with Pastor Michael Dowd. Till then, this is Pastor Bob reminding you, be blessed in all that you do. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast so you can be notified when another episode is published. With over 800 interviews and 1,000 published episodes, Pastor Bob is known as a podcasting expert for helping others to create their own podcast to share their messages with the world. Please visit our website at www.podcastersforchrist.com. That web address again is www.podcastersforchrist.com for more information. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do.